what football folk is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stone. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, I like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live right here on YouTube. It's Monday morning, and it is our last 9 a.m. Monday morning of the year. What, the season? Well, I suppose the year. Yeah. Of the year, of 2023. Of the calendar year. And of the entire NFL season. So uh, you're back, and yep. we're back. It's Labor Day. We're still working. Uh-huh. It's not Labor Day for us. You. Company holiday, but we're still here. Yeah. We're still here. That's our, we'll get it on the back end, though. We'll get the holiday back somewhere. That made more sense before, yeah, in, in an old war version of the, uh, yeah. the vacation day allocations. Yeah. I'll, uh, be, I'll take the afternoon off. I'm going to go catch the Reds game this yeah. afternoon with my Ooh. kids. Um, all right. It's our season prediction show. So we've done previews of every NFL team, eight hours of goodness over here on your YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your podcast. You guys can go back and listen. We went division by division over four different shows to preview the season, but we didn't finish with picks. We didn't make our division picks. We didn't make our predictions. We didn't predict the MVPs and all the awards, and we're going to do that today. Cool. Now, what we did do is, you know, give an over-under on the the Vegas line so hopefully nobody's gonna have the patience to cross-reference you know our over-unders versus our picks oh I I foresee a future tweet where it's like PFF idiot Sam picks the under for the Vikings Mm -hmm. but picks them to win the division right with seven wins definitely possible that and it could happen but we we request that you do not do that do not call attention to any inconsistencies in our predictions. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, there's no need for it. No. There's really no need. So uh, so don't even do that. Uh, before we start, college football happened this weekend. It did. And the biggest story in sports right now is Colorado, Deion Sanders, him gutting the Colorado roster, going full transfer portal, bringing in players, including his own son to play quarterback and former five-star recruit Travis Hunter from Jackson State, bringing him over to Colorado. And Travis Hunter... Maybe the story of football this weekend, because the dude played both ways, corner and receiver. Mm. You and I were both, we were on Twitter talking about it and watching it and everything. What'd you make of Travis Hunter and his 144 snaps on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensively this weekend? 145 now, I believe. We added a snap? We found uh, an error in the system. 145. Yeah, I mean, we are 99% accurate. Right. More uh, than 99%. Until we we, uh, review it. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of misinformation out there on the snap totals, including some of the stuff we put out there. Including from us, yeah. 145 total snaps with several more pre-snap penalties, you know, where he's lined up and just didn't get to do anything. Um, He effectively played a full game as both cornerback and wide receiver, which is, I'm sure it's happened before, but you have to go back quite a long time. And the people that people will uh, bring up as examples of that in the recent past almost certainly didn't have this kind of workload. Like, a lot of people brought up Chris Gamble, Charles Woodson. There were a lot of players that had, you know, there were sort of corners primarily, but had some kind of offensive package 
of plays to get them on the field or to get them touches. But Hunter was legitimately playing almost all of the snaps on offense. That guy had 13 targets, 11 catches, 119 yards, seven first downs as a wide receiver. And then when the, the other team, when TCU had the ball, he played corner every single snap and had nine targets, only gave up three catches, uh, had an interception and three pass breakups. Now, that's basically a really good, he was the second best graded player on either side of the ball. So only the quarterback had a better grade on offense. I forget who the, the better grade on defense was, but he was the second best graded on both sides of the ball, had effectively a full elite performance on either side of the ball. And the most crazy thing about it might be the 145 snaps in 100-degree Texas heat. Like, that's, that's insane. I don't understand how you can do that. So my question for you, Sam, a lot of people are saying, okay, what's he going to do as a, an NFL prospect? He's only a true sophomore right now. What position is he? He was, he was a corner first, really, coming out. And then um, I, I, I thought he'd just be a change of pace receiver, but he's going full-time both ways. I don't know if he can survive the season doing that, first of all. But secondly, is there an NFL equivalent? Is there something NFL teams can do to leverage this? With, um, with Shohei Otani in baseball, I mean, he is literally breaking their war system, their wins above replacement system, because he's the equivalent of two really good players. Right. right? He's one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters in the league, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what's that worth if you have two players? Is there an NFL equivalent besides, hey, just throwing a linebacker on the goal line and playing tight end? Or is there a way the NFL can steal a roster spot, which I always like to use that phrase. Is there a way they could steal a roster spot? Are there certain player types or positions where there's value to be had maybe in a two-way player. Um, I mean, I, I don't think, think full-time like this, though, right? No, I think it needs to permeate throughout college before the NFL would even think about giving it a shot. But, like, this might... Because this happens all the time in high school, right? The best player plays both ways all the time, multiple positions, you know, whether it's corner, wide receiver, safety, quarterback, you know, linebacker, running back, whatever. The, these best players... And a lot of them are playing both ways because they're so much better than everybody else. And then you get to college and it very quickly sort of specializes and it's like you just concentrate on one side of the ball. Don't worry about the rest. We've got other superstars to do that. Maybe this will prompt colleges to say, well, okay, let's maybe not be quite so hasty. And if we have an amazing athlete, an amazing player, let's let him play both sides of the ball for a while. Um, and then if that becomes a much bigger thing in college, maybe the NFL starts to dabble with it more than it used to or that it you know than it does at the moment and because the nfl is kind of where you know those college teams were with chris gamble and charles woodson like let's take an elite player and let's maybe give him a small package of plays doing yeah. something else right so i think you need the whole thing needs to shift in one direction before the nfl even thinks about it the chat's already reminding us about marcus jones with the patriots last year again those are those are change right. of pace types of things so that's like the you know the charles woodson yeah. thing, right which is smart. I mean, look, even if you could steal 10 plays from a player or maybe a couple different players, I think that is valuable. Now, the, the thing I'm always interested in is, is your linebacker, like what made Mike Vrabel so good as a goal line tight end? Was he actually better than, say, Ben Watson, who's a real tight end on his team, or Daniel Graham, who's a real tight end right. on their team? That's where I think it's, it's tricky. Like if Travis Hunter goes to the NFL as a receiver and a corner, think about the precision it takes to play wide receiver. You have to have the route tree perfect. you got to read coverage, right? It is not just go beat the man in front of you. It, you have to be in the right place at the right time, on the same page as your quarterback. There is precision at these positions from a technique standpoint. 
that you could get away with as you go to lower levels, college and high school. You get away with those things if they're not there. Um, Tariq Woolen for Seattle was a receiver at UTSA. And with his size and 4-2 speed, it's like, why wouldn't you try this guy at receiver? But he was a bad receiver, which is why he moved to corner. Right. So that's what makes a lot of this tricky to, to even steal. Even if it's just stealing a few plays, you have to – you have to be really good just to have you know five or ten play package for you at I mean, the NFL level. Yeah, the other element is like the off-field element of learning the game at two different positions. Like these these things don't take place sequentially. Like a cornerback and wide receiver are ta- are having meetings at the same time in different rooms. True. You know, how do you how do you do that if you're one of these? Now it's possible. Like you know there are, there are these guys that have had packages of plays and you're. You catch up on your own time or whatever, but it, it is a challenge. Like if you have a guy who you legitimately legitimately want to use on both sides of the ball, that's a logistical problem because he can't pa- practice both sides at the same time. He can't be in the meeting room both sides at the same time. Like he's going to have to double his workload, which is just challenging. It's not easy learning skills on both sides of the ball, but as a parent. You've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, Sam. How to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater like my guy Teddy. And now, how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting health questions. Um, last one. I wanted to see J.J. Watt play more tight end. Sure. I know there's an injury risk and everything, but... If J.J. Watt had 10 to 15 tight end snaps, could he be a mismatch type of weapon and still maintain the level of play on the defensive side of the ball? I think that's the, I mean, anytime, that's the question. Anytime in the NFL you stumble upon something where there does appear to be a legitimate skill set, Mike Vrabel, J.J. Watt, you know, whatever it is, use it, you know, like the, give him a shot. Like you've shown it works. And logically it makes sense. I mean, J.J. Watt, again, was a college tight end before shifting over to um, the defensive line, you know that works. So why just stop doing it and go away from it and ignore it from now on? Like the fact that Mike Vrabel has ended his career with whatever it was, 13 touchdowns, is insane. Like Mike Vrabel has more, if you include the playoffs, has more career touchdowns than Dan Campbell, the NFL tight end. Like that's what he did for a job. And Mike Vrabel, just by being a moonlighting dude in the red zone, had more touchdowns than he did. So if you find something like that, Keep going. All right. So I'm interested to see if the NFL, especially teams that don't have the elite quarterback, if this is an edge that they could tap into in the future. Very difficult to do, but I'll be keeping an eye on it. I mean, I'm just curious to see how how far they can push that. Like one game at that that workload in that heat just seems insane to me. If they can, I don't, I can't imagine a world where he can do that for a full season. Uh, I used to turn fatigue off on Madden back in the day <laughs> because it felt unfair right like a guy would run four routes and it was like oh he's just gonna jog at half speed like that's not the reality in a game but we do see receivers sit out plays here and there 
especially yeah. when they're running deep routes. Yeah. Like you do, in other words, players do get tired. They do get fatigued to just playing one side of the ball. When you have no break, can't turn fatigue off like I did. Dion can't just flip a switch. You really have to manage this workload. Yeah, I mean, his rest is basically the kick. Whether it's a punt or a kickoff. I don't know like, how much special teams he played. We and I'm ass- yeah, I'm assuming he didn't play any. But if he did, I don't even know how he survived. If he didn't, his rest in the day was the kick, the change of possession, and the, the, the TV timeout. And now back on the field. On you go. That's All crazy. Right. As they say in the chat, drop a like for the fellas. That's us. Smash the like button. The thumbs up over on YouTube. All right, let's get into it. Prediction time. Let's go division by division and talk through it. Of course, we've previewed. We've gone into the great details of each division, but today we pick our winners. On Wednesday, though, right, you're going to hear something. What's going to happen today is you're going to hear something you don't like. You're going to hear something you don't, you, you don't agree with. You'll probably type it into the chat and say, no, you guys are stupid. My team's going to win. You guys are not believing in my team. So your show's Wednesday, right? When you don't believe in something we say today, when you disagree, when you want to put your money where your mouth is and put your coffee where your mouth is, put up some coffee for us, Wednesday is the bet show, or we'll call it the viewer prediction show. So on Wednesday, you guys get to come in by Wednesday with all of your predictions. And we're going to pick the ones that, that we want to, uh, to highlight, maybe the, you know, the, the boldest predictions. And well, those will certainly be, yeah, first up in terms of what we take. Remember, like, the whole point of this was uh, when you think we're absolutely crazy, you know, put a bet on it. Which means, by definition, the ones we're most likely to take are the ones we're most sure will win. Now, I'm willing to, so I'm willing to change this a little bit this year. Because we've had a couple come in that were like, I, th- I think one was, hey, Brock Purdy is going to grade better than the 2021 draft class, which includes Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I don't feel strongly against that. I mean, I, I don't care either way. But I might take it. It's just a, I, I'll take bold predictions. Yeah, but my point being, as, much, as sure as we were, like the whole point of this is we'll be wrong. And if you think we're wrong, that's where we get the bet. And last season, the ones that we were most sure about, we end up losing to a Russell Wilson disaster. We end up losing to Geno Smith looking like a superstar out of nowhere. Like these are the, That's the whole point of this. So we're going to do that on Wednesday. Email us, nflpodcast at pff.com. So, ready to go? Mm-hmm. We're going to start with the AFC East. We're back, back to normalcy here. Starting in the AFC and in the East. The division looks loaded on paper. Buffalo Bills, of course, the defending AFC East champions, what, three years in a row now. Um, But Aaron Rodgers comes in with the Jets. We got Tua and the Dolphins. Tua back and healthy and ready to go with a really good roster in Miami. And, of course, the New England Patriots. Always lurking. They look a little bit better this year, at least defensively, and with uh, a coaching change. I don't know if you could say this for every division, but every team – Looks good. Looks competitive. I don't know if every team has a chance to win the division, but who you got here in the AFC East? Um, Yeah, I I mean, I think this is one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. I think this, the AFC North, those are probably the two. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, that are the closest and the most even where you could realistically make a case for all four teams. I guess the Patriots is the toughest one to make, but I think it's a a legitimate argument. I still think, though, that the Bills are furthest ahead. They, this will be the toughest competition in the division and in the AFC that they faced. 
but I still think they would be the front runner. You know, when you're picking winners, it's like, what is the most likely thing to happen? I think the most likely thing to happen in this division is that the Bills are still the best team and therefore win. Yeah, I'm not buying the whole narrative that the Bills' window is closed. I've said that no. a few times. I don't, I don't get it. <clears throat> there's, no, there's nothing from a roster-building standpoint that suggests the window's closed. It's just this feeling that they felt better last year, right? People thought yeah. that last year was their year, and they came up short. Now, the, the, I think the thing that's concerning with Buffalo is they were very inconsistent. At They were just inconsistent last year. Remember, they lose in Week 2 in Miami – and Allen was missing game-winning throws left and right. Uh, but then they bounced back a few weeks later. They became the force in the AFC because they beat the Chiefs, right? It was this ebb and flow. They, the Bills lose that game to Minnesota, 4th and 18, and take a safety on the goal line. So there were just some bad losses in there from the Bills. And then they get, they get beat up pretty bad by the Bengals at home, in the snow, in the playoffs. I don't think any of that matters when projecting them going forward. I think if you give the Bills and Bengals a, another division game this year, the Bills can win. Of course they can win. They're competitive enough. They're not on the, the downslope. So I'm, I'm taking Buffalo to win the AFC East mm-hmm. as well. I, yeah, I don't think that they've necessarily gotten any worse from a year ago. I think that other teams have gotten better. Like at this time a season ago, Buffalo, a lot of people had them as the clear number one roster in the NFL. Like they're the best team top to bottom. Um, they should be the favorites for the Super Bowl. This year, I don't know that their roster is any worse than it was a year ago, but a bunch of other teams have gotten closer, or like have closed the gap, and now they're just one of a number of elite contenders in the AFC. Now, I definitely, last year at this time, I thought this, this was a slam dunk, right, for that point. You said definitely the Buffalo Bills. Who, how competitive do you think it is? I mean, I think this is going down to the wire. I mean, if Tua stays healthy... I really want to like the Dolphins this year. Yeah. And I think Aaron Rodgers absolutely elevates the Jets. The, the Jets, to me, are their closest competitor in that division. Um, I think the Rodgers thing will be real. I think Garrett Wilson is going to go off with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. I think the defense is going to be nasty in New York. The only question mark is, will the offensive line hold its end of the bargain up and allow everything else to function? But if it does, I mean, the Jets should have made the playoffs last year with the worst quarterback situation in the game. Anything better than that puts them probably in the playoffs and, you know, rivaling these teams. If Rodgers lands anywhere in his general range of outcomes, they should be one of the best teams in the entire NFL. So I think the Jets will be the closest competitors. Miami is the one I'm most interested in, though, because, you know, you've got the Tua health questions, whatever. We know what that is. But late last season, teams were causing that offense problems. Like, it wasn't... it. It was wrecking the league, you know, in a, in a Chip Kelly variety for three quarters of the season. And then right around the time Tua started to have his head bounced off the turf, it also ran into some problems. And now we don't really know, A, have defenses caught up to that offense? And if they have, has an offseason of practicing against a Vic Fangio defense for uh, Mike McDaniel allowed him to jump back ahead? You know, like, where is that offense right now? If... He's back to where he was at the start of last year, and he's a step ahead of the NFL again. Then Miami is absolutely a live contender for that division, and you know for everything else. If, however, you know defenses have caused that some problems, and he hasn't yet found a counter to the counter, 
then Miami might actually be primed for a little bit of a disappointment this year. DraftKings AFC East odds. We got Buffalo at plus 120, followed by the Jets and Dolphins pretty close at second and third, and then the Patriots plus 800, fourth to win the AFC East. So we're going. We're both going with the Buffalo Bills. Um, the thing I hate about predictions every year is you know there's four, five, six different playoff teams year over year. You know there's turnover. You know there's a team that's supposed to be good that's not. Mm-hmm. But it's tough to picture it. It's tough to predict it. We don't know which one it's going to be. Right. So I, I, I hope I didn't lean too much into what I saw last year, but I probably did at the end of the day. All right, AFC North is next. We mentioned maybe the diff- most difficult division in the NFL. You could easily make a case that uh, the, the Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, and Browns are not, all, not only all doing good things, but coming from being good football teams overall, right, and improving, have good quarterback situations. The Steelers, the wild card, because we don't know exactly what they're going to get. Well, both, the Steelers and Browns, wild cards. Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson, what are you going to get from both of those guys? But it's also easy here on Labor Day to predict good seasons for all four teams. But something's got to give in the AFC North. Yeah. No, it does. Um, and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit Do from, from the last division. I think the most likely outcome of this, what I think is probably the toughest division to call, the most likely outcome is the Bengals winning because they've got the track record. They're the team we saw last year, the year before. They're the most likely team to still be really good and still win that division. Um, but I think this one is really close. And as you say, like there are every year there are teams that change the dynamic and the, if you're if you're guessing which one of those teams is going to come not out of nowhere but is going to surprise I think I'm I'm starting to buy into the Steelers thing like I think Kenny Pickett looks really good um and I think Kenny Pickett looked very good last year like so much better than his numbers the, their offense I mean it's preseason like who the hell knows they're off their first team offense this preseason has basically been flawless it's just marched down the field and scored and sat down on the bench again. Um, their defense should be good. TJ Watt being back transforms that unit. Um, even when he's not there now, if he misses time with injuries, which is a risk again, now they've stumbled into a, a Nick Herbig who can obviously can't replace TJ Watt, but he can help you know mitigate the drop off from TJ Watt when he's not in the lineup, particularly from that side of the line. I think the Steelers could shock people and win that division. Yeah, the, we got to remind people, we, we spend the whole offseason and speak in definitives. The Bengals last year at this time were coming off a Super Bowl. They looked like a much better team than the Steelers. Joe Burrow in week one throws four interceptions, not all his fault, but throws four picks against the Steelers. The Steelers win in overtime uh, with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Mm. So like what? A year, we're one week away, by the way, Sam. One week from now, not at this time, we'll be, we'll be wrapping up a two-and-a-half-hour Week one, overreaction podcast next week at this very time. We'll be wrapping it up, and we'll be overreacting. Maybe this team we thought was good all offseason is not as good as we thought. Maybe mm-hmm. this team we forgot about is going to the Super Bowl. Overreaction right? week. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Next week at this time. Did we decide week one we were going to do, was that our Sunday night test? Oh, maybe. Or maybe it's going to be, yeah, that's true. Uh, we might be. We might. I'd love to hear what people want to do here. We might go live after Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. What's the Sunday night game this week? God, no. Uh, what are we doing? What is it? No, Dallas and the Giants. Okay. Cowboys-Giants. I've got to do an NBC video on that later. Oh, yeah. You should probably you should do that <laughs> on Labor Day. You should no probably less. be aware of what it is. 
Can't wait to get this off day back. Um, so maybe we'll go live right after Cowboys Giants for our week one full review podcast. It might experiment with that a little bit. Um, but we're talking AFC North. So, so in this Steelers analysis that you're bringing to the table here, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Does that mean you're not picking the chalk pick, the Bengals? Yeah, it means in this, you know. Are you so making I, a bold take for Pittsburgh? I te- So when I'm doing these divisions, right, I tend to work on the basis of, generally speaking, I'm going to pick the most likely thing as determined in my head to the outcome, right? So the most likely outcome is the Buffalo Bills win that division, even though I could see probably three out of the four teams winning that and not be surprised. I think the most likely outcome is the Bengals win the AFC North, but every I'm going to pick a couple where I just have a gut feeling that the most likely outcome is not the one that's actually going to happen because you know the most likely outcome is not going to happen for every division. So for this division, even though I think the most likely thing to happen is the Bengals win it, I am picking the Steelers to win it. This isn't even the bold take show. No, I know. You're legitimately I know, I mean, it's not that bold, right? Pittsburgh winning that division? No, it's not. I mean, if they were in the NFC South, it wouldn't be bold. I mean, how are they going to surpass those other teams? It's going to be a challenge. I'm looking forward to it. Because I'm with you. I'm with you on the positivity for the Steelers. Uh, When I had Brad on the show, you were on vacation last week, and Mm. Brad was on the show. He's like, perfect offseason for Pittsburgh. You know, might be some hyperbole there, but he loved, you know, from start to finish, we both agree. We love everything Pittsburgh's doing. But I can also see a world where if Deshaun Watson is just – better than last year the Browns are really tough to beat and the Ravens with Lamar Jackson what's he they've won what 68 70 percent of their games with Lamar Jackson at quarterback if he stays healthy who's they're going to be better than the Ravens yeah and I think the bank I'm picking the Bengals to win the AFC North I thought last year we were talking regression a little bit with Cincinnati they impressed me so much I think Zach Taylor deserves credit the Bengals are the team in the AFC North I'm not saying by a wide margin because, again, it's loaded. It's going to be a challenge. But what Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, what those guys have done, what they did down the stretch last year against a lot of good teams. They beat every good team in the NFL during the regular season, and then they were you know, a, a late hit away from overtime with the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. I think the Bengals have showed enough in a two-year stretch. They're the team to beat in the AFC North, and I'm going to stick with them until – Somebody knocks him off. Mm-hmm. But again, I could see a world where any of the four teams yeah. make a run for the division. That includes the Browns, the Ravens, or the Steelers. I could see that happening. And we'll talk more when we get to wild card time. But um, I'll take the Bengals to win the AFC. Yeah, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue strongly against anybody that made a case for any of the four teams in this division. Like this would be one where, you know, if somebody's coming back with an with a email bet, Hey, you said the steel. Like, no, not a chance because any of the four teams could win this division very easily without much happening whatsoever. I just have. So, this is your pick, but it's not bettable. Yes. I just have a gut feeling that Pittsburgh will be the team to surprise and win this division. All right, we're going to get into the AFC South, but first, going to tell you about our new partner. It's AG1. Was hearing all about AG1 while talking, watching college football this weekend. It's the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We drink it every single day here on the PFF NFL podcast. Had to give it a try because. Look, I need, some, I need some health in my life. I need some nutrients, and I get the nutrients from AG1. Love to drink it in the morning. Makes me feel great. Good start to the day. A little coffee, a little AG1. 
to kick things off. What about you, Sam? Yeah, it also uh, tricks you into getting some water in the system as well. You know, going to mix that AG1 into the water. So you get a little boost of hydration as well as the, uh, the nutrients in the AG1. It's really genius. Double whammy. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them drink AG1. That's why I'm a huge fan because I used to be a high-performance athlete. <laughs> so why not drink the same thing that current high-performance athletes are drinking, setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me the daily nutrients that I need to support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. That's it, man. Cover your nutritional bases every single day with AG1. Just mix one small scoop with water. Drink it first thing every morning like I do. It also costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. For comprehensive solutions, what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to ag1.com slash PFF. Sorry, that's drinkag1.com slash PFF. It's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Go check it out right now. Um, been out for a couple of days, so we haven't had a chance to derail the podcast for a while. Uh, oh, we're due. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of them right now. Number one, you, I, I shouldn't have laughed, so you know instinctively with you describing yourself as a former elite high-level athlete um but it, it did remind me that apparently last night i had a dream that i was that colin cowherd refused to believe that i i used to be an athlete back in the day i was trying to point out that i you know i played football rugby you know i did a whole bunch of things he just wasn't buying it he just like, laughed at not, you not not a chance and then I then the alarm went off, so I woke up. Oh man, you didn't um, have a chance to really. I, didn't, I was literally in the middle of the negotiation. Yourself. I was arguing with Cowherd, and then like ding, the alarm goes off, and I'm awake. I'm like, God damn it! Do you uh, could have taken that somewhere? Dream of Colin? No, I, as, as far as I'm aware, that's the first time I can think of. But okay. who knows? You know, sometimes these dreams don't stick with you in, in the, the cold light of day. Um, the other thing is, somebody we our Twitter account tweets out some clips of the show, PFF NFL Pod uh, on Twitter. X, um, and somebody replied to one saying, the biggest threat to the Jets winning the division right now is Nathaniel Hackett. And it reminded me of, I've now watched, I'm up to date on Hard Knocks. What are we, four episodes in? I have yet to see a single second of that man demonstrating any X's and O's coaching acumen whatsoever. And this is not like now, like this year, ever. Like, his, when he was being bigged up by people for the Denver Broncos job, right, when you heard the strengths of Nathaniel Hackett, it was all about, like, the fun he brings to things. And he, Rogers likes it, right, because he, he cracks jokes and he makes Star Wars references and all that kind of thing. And you're like, I mean, that's great. There's, you need that, right? That's, a, that's an important thing to bring to the organization. Somebody needs to bring the funny. Otherwise, everybody hates their existence. But somebody also needs to bring more than that. And it seems in Denver that nobody brought the other stuff. Now we're back in the Jets, and it's like, can, it might be an editing thing, right? Hard Knocks is out here, Thank HBO, you for whatever. Yeah. Somebody's in here, like, losing stuff on the cutting room floor. This is what we're putting in. This is what we're dumping. For the love of God, somebody find some evidence of him doing anything football-related and put it in the next episode. Because I'm struggling to believe that it exists at this point. I can't believe you are the person that we that we rail against that comes at that that has takes that are context free. But it's some you're point. literally watching a reality TV show. As yes. you, at least you preface this at the end. At least I know you're smart enough, right? You're not one of the people on Twitter that just doesn't have any sort of context or perspective. Right. And if it was just this, I might not be bringing it up, right? 
But when you combine this with what we saw in Denver, with what we heard before he got the job in Denver, it's like, does the man know what he's doing? Or is the whole thing just because he makes Rogers laugh in meetings? Because they don't, because that's what they're leaning into. That was the, That's their history. What's the relationship between Hackett and Rogers? Oh, Rogers said he makes jokes. Oh, let's do that for the, know, but just, for the 30 seconds of airtime that we're going to have one clip on one Hard clip. Knocks. One clip. You need to see something. him installing plays. I don't need and to concepts. See you want to see him installing, coaching want, a receiver on his depth. I want literally a four-second clip of film where he like corrects somebody's technique. Anything, anything. You'd be a terrible producer. I, four seconds. It's not gonna work. Four seconds. It's not gonna work. The, the thing is what. Want Hackett's memes. The thing's like 42 minutes long. I want four seconds to prove that he isn't just a Rogers buddy. I can't believe you've fallen into this. I didn't see it on the edited reality TV show. Therefore, it must not exist. Just four seconds. That's all I want. We're on to the AFC South. The, uh, by the way, on DraftKings, the Bengals are the favorite, followed by the Ravens, Browns, and then the Steelers. But it's pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Plus 140 for the Bengals, all the way down to plus 500 for the Steelers top and bottom AFC South has the Jags at minus 155 the heavy favorites to win the division followed by the Titans Colts and then the Texans where you going in the South tough to knock off the Jags here yeah well I mean the Jags and the Lions strike me as similar in that for the first time in a while they're the favorite um and I think it's justified in both cases. I, I think the Jags should be the favorite, and I think they are the most likely team to win the division. But it's a change in mindset. Like, the Jags now have to go into the season living with that, knowing that they are theoretically the best team in this division and therefore are expected to win it. And that places a different kind of pressure on people that are used to being the underdogs, the written-off team, the come-from-behind type. Um, so we have to see how they uh, react to that. It's probably a good sign that they have a coach that's, you know, been there and done that in terms of Super Bowl, all that kind of thing. But they got to do it now. But I'm picking them. I, I mean, I think they should. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take the Jags. The The Titans are the – they're number two, right, as far as the, the odds go. And, again, we're, we're just – you could paint pictures. You could paint pictures. They're still, they still have Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback who's good. Right? It's easy to, it's easy to picture – we're sitting here in early January and where the Titans are sitting with, with Mike Vrabel, the head coach, Ryan Tannehill, at quarterback, a defense that we saw up, up you know, live and in person where the defensive line looks solid, and DeAndre Hopkins is there. Yeah. And I know the O-line is the biggest question mark probably in Tennessee, but DeAndre Hopkins, we've seen him have massive benefits to offenses, including right when he went to Arizona. He went there for year two of Kyler Murray, and we saw a completely different offense for Arizona. So that's the picture that you paint in Tennessee, right? Where Vrabel's taken, he's maximizing the team and all this. And again, last year, halfway through the year, Tennessee was that same team, right? We've only had about a half year of Vrabel underachieving in what, five years as, as head coach. Only a half season. And it was the last half season that we saw. So my point is just don't, don't sleep on the Titans. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still taking the Jacks right. to win this division. I feel like they, they are definitely ascending. I do think they've improved since last year. We'll see what happens with their pass rush and their defense. But the Jags, Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, the, the core is too strong in Jacksonville, I think. Yeah, the, the Titans are the one team where you can definitely imagine it coming together. Um, it, it's, it's really difficult to picture a world where the Colts or, to a lesser extent, the Texans 
it all comes together and they're really good and they challenge for a division win, et cetera. Tennessee, like we were on the way to writing them off, but the DeAndre Hopkins thing completely changes that entire dynamic on offense. Like they go from having a really problematic looking receiving core and even in an offense that wants to run the ball and wants to be play action heavy and theoretically therefore needs less of an impact wide receiver, it looked like an issue. Now you install DeAndre Hopkins at the top of that depth chart and Traylon Burks can be, even if he's nothing other than a designated deep threat or a decoy just to keep attention away from DeAndre Hopkins, it's viable. You know, Nick Westbrook-Akina as a, just a tertiary threat inside is fine. Chica Conquo, you know, tight end, like they've got, and then you still have the run game. Derrick Henry, Taji Spears looks insane as, as a backup to him. And Ryan Tannehill, we know, is a capable quarterback. So the whole thing completely shifts with DeAndre Hopkins being put into that lineup. And he can still play. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have the ability to take a top off a defense anymore and to win consistently, you know, running deep down the sideline. Though, frankly, we saw some of that in practice. Um, But even if he doesn't, he can win everywhere else. And you have Burks there to take that role, to, to do that, to be just to keep a defense honest, which is all you're expecting. And then, you know, the defensive side of the ball, sure, the overall personnel doesn't look amazing, but it never has when Mike Vrabel has been the coach, and yet they still tend to do very well. So I think it's definitely very easy to imagine a world where this Titans team bounces back a little bit and certainly rivals Jacksonville. But I think the Jags just have more to work with. You then have the Texans and the Colts. I think the Texans will be competitive C.J. Stroud under center. I think we'll see his rookie ups and downs, and we'll see Anthony Richardson's ups and downs. Um, were you on the show when I did the Anthony Richardson PSA? Uh, yes. You were there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Colts, I don't know if we got to talk. I, I talked to Brad about it. The Colts cornerback room, that absolutely fascinates me. Nobody there. That's all big, long, athletic corners who have never played in the NFL, including last year two undrafted free agents, Daryl Baker Jr., Darryl, Dallas Flowers. They're rolling with those guys as the starters with two rookies, Jalen Jones and Juju Brents as the backups. So the Colts just have a lot of holes. The Richardson coaster that I'm expecting this year, but the, it'll be a, it'll be a fun division. Like I'll be watching the South closely this year with how the Colts, how the Texans develop with their rookie quarterbacks. But I think it's absolutely the Jags' division to win here. Mm-hmm. So we're both taking the Jags. Yep. Um, AFC West. AFC West. Chiefs. Mm, yeah. All right. On to the NFC. Yeah. I mean, this is. It's similar to a couple of the other divisions where, I mean, the Chargers could do it. Like, everybody's offseason darling every single year. If, as is the case every year, they stay healthy, they could rival the Chiefs. Um, Denver's bounce back with Sean Payton's a little more difficult to to believe, but it's possible, I guess. And, you know, any given season, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt for a period, that that changes everything, right? Drink, Drink every time I say last year at this time. You've yeah. got a two- to three-week window here where I'm going to say it, but let's, let's go again. Last year at this time, what was happening in the AFC West? The Chiefs, were, they were the favorite, yeah. but we were like, hey, what's the last thing we saw from the Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes choking in the second half <laughs> of an AFC championship game. Patrick Mahomes coming off of his worst graded season, coming off a year where teams would run too high and really slow down that offense, and then they traded Tyree Kill. Maybe they're rebuilding. They're taking a step back. They're still the best team in the AFC West. They're they're taking a step back to take a step forward. 
That's what the Chiefs were doing. The Chargers were on the up. They just traded for Khalil Mack. They're on the upswing. The Broncos had just traded for Russell Wilson. And the Raiders, they looked like the worst team in the division, but they also traded for Devontae Adams, and they looked like, hey, we'll, we'll at least be competitive here. And then it, the whole division ended up being not so good with the Chargers having their usual ups and downs, being competitive, but not nearly as good as the Chiefs. I'm just saying last year at this time, it, it felt closer, yeah. and the Chiefs ran away with it. Right now, it feels like the Chiefs should run away with it is this the easiest call of any division i mean i think predict we're going to predict the chiefs to win the division for the next 10 years i mean that's yeah but the 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 gap between them and the rest will change every year so this year looking at the rest of the divisions is this the easiest call for which team will win the, win the division I, the the chargers are the tricky one because the hype the hype last year could work this year. Yeah. You know, like Khalil Mack it could still be really good. And Joey it. Bosa can be healthy for the whole season. You know, so the Chargers can be as competitive this year as we thought they'd be last year, which was battling for the division. That's still – plus they have Kellen Moore, right? They have Kellen mm -hmm. Moore coming in. So the Chargers absolutely could go, you know, blow, blow for blow with the Chiefs in the West. I think the Chiefs are – yeah, but I would – I would pick Kansas City. I mean, it's certainly last year. I, I would think, think about the Chargers at, at yeah. this time. I believe. I mean, I think it's clearly the easy. Well, I think it's the easiest in the AFC certainly that we've gotten to so far. Obviously, the AFC East and the AFC uh, North are way tougher. But I have more confidence in Kansas City winning their division relative to the Chargers than I do the Jags definitely being better than the Titans and winning that division, which makes it the easiest call in the AFC. Yeah. So I'll definitely. I mean, I'll pick the Chiefs. Um, the Am tough. How much does the Chris Jones thing affect? Oh, I wanted to circle back to the to the Chris Jones. I think, um, I mean, it. it the, the I always say the margin for error when facing the Chiefs is really really tight, right? You can't you can't you, you can't have turnovers. You can't have stupid plays, and you almost have to pray that the Chiefs have those plays, right? The Chiefs when they beat themselves and have the you know muff punts and weird interceptions or whatever it is that's how you beat the Chiefs that tightens up a little bit because Chris Jones he's their closer you know he's their guy did it against Cincinnati had the game-winning sack basically um, that set up the game-winning drive um, they can move him around the defensive formation he is a he's an absolute game wrecker and makes that entire defensive line better I think it just makes the margin for error for the Chiefs a little bit tighter right they'll mm -hmm. be favored in all the games it might it might affect a game or two in the win-loss column at the end of the day. I'm not saying he's worth a full win or loss, but you know you miss, a, you miss some of those impact plays from a Chris Jones if he's out for the first eight weeks. He also might show up and play Thursday night. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, We saw that happen with T.J. Watt a couple years ago. We've reached the point now where this is actually affecting the regular season. Um, he's still seemingly nowhere near the kind of extension that he wants. They open the season on Thursday night. So him not being at practice today is effectively him not being at you know midweek practice of a regular, uh, a regular game week. He's probably not playing this to the start week one. So his holdout, which remember, as a guy under contract, the holdouts costed him a ton of money. Like his holdout through training camp, through preseason, through all this kind of stuff has already cost him a ton. Now it starts to eat into regular season game checks, which is only, I think, making a deal harder to achieve. Because any contract that, I mean, we saw this with you know, a couple of the other sort of holdouts or, or problems getting deals done. The player is going to want the team to make up the fines in the form of a contract. So, you know, Chris Jones, who's racking up whatever it is, $2 million in fines during training camp, a 500000 workout bonus, this according to Tom Pelissero, 
and then he's going to be out another basically a million dollars for every game he misses. Every one of those, he's going to expect them to make up on the back end with the new contract, which is not, I mean, they can, right? But every one of those millions that gets added into this deal is another million that has to count against the salary cap, which is more difficult to do. So if they're already looking at this, Kansas City, and saying, I don't know if we want to allocate that amount of salary cap money to this one dude, that's only going up the longer this thing drags out. So this could be a problem for them. There were reports... um our friend Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap, I think, did a breakdown of what the reported offer was from Kansas City and how it's because it's not a rip up the old contract type of deal with Kansas City. It's the new money that's being reported on, which is a little uh, it's I don't know. It, it gets misunderstood. Jason Fitzgerald had a good breakdown on what Kansas City actually offered. And it's not as egregious as it sounds when it gets tweeted out there. Um, so I don't know. So reportedly, they're 10 to 12 million dollars off, whatever that means. We got a few more days before the season starts, um, so we're both taking the Chiefs. Let's go AFC. Do you want to do wild cards here for the AFC? Uh, wild cards for the AFC. Did you put wild cards? I'm you just have... looking at the sheet now to see if I have already committed to those. Do you want me to I give you a... time to think about the wild cards, and we'll just do all the division winners? Uh, no. I have can... wild cards. Let's see. Give me your wild cards. That will give me enough time. To you have three with... wild cards, right? That's what you're supposed to have now. Yeah. These days, um, who's the number one seed? By the way, I bolded that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I mean, Kansas City. Kansas City, number one seed prediction. Um, My wild cards, I hate this. It's the AFC. I want to put about seven teams in there. I'm going, oh, gosh, I hate it so much. Mm -hmm. I just have to put something out there, though. Yeah. Browns, Chargers, Ravens. Browns, Chargers, Ravens. So two in the AFC North, the Browns and the Ravens. Chargers in the West. That means not making. That's what I'm going to say. Who's the biggest teams you have missing, therefore, the playoffs? Jets and Dolphins. Okay, so my uh, wild cards. PFF. Will be I just I could add some some color to it. The New York Jets will be one wild card spot. The Cincinnati Bengals will be another wild card spot. The third wild card. The I will go with the Baltimore Ravens as the third wild card spot. Ravens, Jets. And Bengals. So you, so you and I are both adding three AFC North teams. Yes, which means that the Miami Dolphins will miss, which means that the Chargers will miss. Yeah. And the Browns. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. I don't love this at all. I, I mean, I don't like I, – I, I want to buy Steelers hype. I believe in the Dolphins. I think the Jets, of course, are going to be really good. I mean, the thing is, those divisions are so brutal that actually – like, whoever finishes second in the AFC South has a really good shot because they're in a crappy division, most likely, and the other teams are beating the hell out of each other. So that's where – so Tennessee, for perspective here, right. using pff.com, you go to NFL-Power Rankings, um, just search PFF Power Rankings, and we got this nice little chart. The Titans have the 29th most difficult schedule. So, the say, the fourth easiest schedule mm-hmm. goes through Tennessee in the AFC South. The most difficult schedules – it's going to be teams that have similar schedules, of course. So it's the AFC East. It's the Patriots, Dolphins, and Bills. Jets are 10th. Um, so, the, you know, there's always like a little discrepancy. So the, the Jets have the 10th hardest schedule. But the three hardest schedules by our numbers here, Patriots, Dolphins, and the Bills, that will affect the win totals. The AFC North teams are more middle of the pack. So, you know, Baltimore. 25th most difficult, Cleveland 26th most difficult. Of course, this changes. This is going to be variable here. 
Um, but that's where I think maybe the East has a bit of a more difficult challenge. They have to play the NFC East teams and everything. There's, it's going to be a tough one, I think, maybe for the AFC East when it comes to wins and losses, even if they're good teams. Mm -hmm. All right. On to the NFC? Yep. We have to add other, you know, we have to have some detours here. All we're doing is picking division winners. Yeah. It's really, like, on paper, it's a 15-minute show. On paper. <laughs> you know? On this podcast. NFC East, who you got winning? NFC East. Ah, shock. Surprise. So this is one where everybody's just penciling the Eagles back in to win, to go to the Super Bowl again, to, to be in the NFC Championship again. The Eagles did it last year. Why would they not do it this year? Leaving out that nobody was really predicting the Eagles to do it a year ago. Like, if you'd said the Eagles were going to be in the Super Bowl last year, it would have been a rogue pick. It wasn't necessarily the, um, the chalk selection. So I think Dallas is going to win this division. I think they're going to jump Philadelphia. I'm tempted. I was tempted to do this. I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I think the difference between the Eagles and the Cowboys is, is not great. Hmm. Again, I, I lament how much... We, we run into the team won, therefore they're up here and the team behind them is way down here. Yeah. Right? We do the opposite with the MVP race, by the way, which also grinds my gears here, Sam. We think the MVP race is this like horse race every single week, right? It's like this guy's one, this guy's two, this guy's three. And as soon as two has a better day than one, he's got to leapfrog him, right? We got to do that. With the MVP race, you do that. It's like Josh Allen made a great throw. Boom, MVP. Patrick Holmes made a great He's He's MVP. And it just goes back and forth. But with teams, we say, well, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so they're in a different echelon. And the Eagles were the best team in the NFC, so they're in a different echelon from everyone else. But the reality is they're closer. They're a lot closer. The Chiefs were a handful of plays away from not making the Super Bowl, right? The Eagles and the Cowboys in the NFC East are tight. And I would say if – I'd say the Cowboys improved more than the Eagles this offseason. I think the, the, the Cowboys bridged the gap – because for the 900th time, I will reference Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, mm -hmm. two of the biggest weaknesses on last year's Cowboys team. Are, have you convinced me? Because I, I have the Eagles written down here. I still think they're the better team. But after ranting and raving here, maybe I'll take the Cowboys. Copy you. I don't want to have the same picks as you. Yeah. But I was tempted. I'll have the Cowboys as a wild card team, but I think Dallas is right up there with, with the Eagles. Yeah, I think both teams had good off-seasons, but Philadelphia's off-season was about maintenance and damage limitation rather than actively getting better you know because they had a lot of players that were either leaving or scheduled to leave and they had to kind of piece the thing back together and just tie it you know make sure that the whole Super Bowl roster didn't disintegrate around them now obviously they're they're still bringing back like a really important core they're still bringing back most of the best offensive line in the NFL you know right guard Isaac Sayamalo goes away Cam Jurgens comes in um, they're bringing back there are two receivers, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts. Like, the, the core of this team is still intact. But they were losing a lot on defense as well. And even though they've got ready-made replacements like Nicobe Dean to step in and, you know, take those spots, that's always a gamble. Like, as much as I think Nicobe Dean is a great player, he needs to play as well as TJ Edwards. Otherwise, it's a downgrade relative to last year's team. And that's not a given. Same as, you know, um, Jalen Carter coming in. Absolute steal, potentially, in terms of the draft. But Jalen Carter needs to replace Javon Hargrave. Like, that's not easy. So, it's a risk. Um, whereas Dallas maintained most of that team and brought in two clear upgrades over significant areas of weakness and are likely to be better in terms of, you know, uh, Michael Gallup being a year removed from an injury that really hampered him last year. 
So in multiple ways, they should be significantly better simply by having the same people from a year ago and adding key parts to that team. So I think they were close anyway, and I think Dallas bridged the gap. Uh, the other big story in Dallas, so I, I'm with you on all that. I'll, I'll take the Eagles. Okay. I'll officially take the Eagles. Officially. feel better about the Cowboys maybe now than I did last year. Yeah. Probably picked the Cowboys last year at this time, <laughs> but the Eagles at some point like pretty early surpassed them, right? Um, the Mike McCarthy call and plays thing versus Kellen Moore. It's going to be interesting because yeah. there's not a lot of offensive coordinators that fan bases like. It's kind of like offensive lines. Like Cowboys fans are like, no, oh, no, Kellen Moore's not that good. But you know, he's better than Jason Garrett, and he did get a lot of good, you know, good years out of Dak Prescott. And Char so Chargers fans are excited for Kellen Moore. Cowboys fans are like, ah, oh, you know, we didn't love Kellen Moore, but they're also not that excited about Mike McCarthy either. So there's a chance that could be a – a downtick there. Mike McCarthy calling plays with um, with Shoddy, Brian Schottenheimer mm -hmm. as OC in name. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll take the Cowboys will be one of my wild card teams. I'll take the Eagles to win the division. Um, there are some teams that I want to be high on and talk up. So we're going to the NFC North here, and one of them is the Vikings. I am tempted to go Vikings here with the NFC North. Ooh. However, I'm I'm also peer pressured a little bit after. After you and I were voices in the the anti Lions draft video, their propaganda, their draft propaganda video, yeah. I don't know if I want to be on record. I don't know if I want to do that. I know the Lions social media team; they're over here. They're, they're paying attention. They're listening. They're, they're listening. We know they're listening. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give the Lions social media team any fodder. I feel bullied a little bit. You were you had the first words of their video. Kicked it off. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and. Um, even though I've been back and forth, I've deleted and typed and deleted and typed over here in my trusty spreadsheet, Lions, Vikings, Lions, Vikings. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to be, you know, where in January 15th, it's like, let's go back and see all the people that picked against us Lions. We won the division and you people are stupid. I don't want to be that guy. So I feel peer pressured a little bit, bullied into picking the Lions for the NFC North. I mean... I'm not going to tell you what to do. I also like the Lions, too. I mean, I, I like them a lot. I'm just I'm feeling the Vikings a little bit, too. But I feel like our listenership would have higher expectations of your integrity than to back away from something you believed in because the Detroit Lions social media people were bullying you. I'm just saying that's I, I wear my heart on my sleeve here, Sam. I'm just I mean, being honest. I'm just being honest with the people. I might not have those expectations, but I feel like our listeners would, you know? I was going to pick the Lions anyway. <laughs> I was going to pick the Lions anyway. Okay. But I'd, I'd be lying if I said, you know, back in my mind, I'm not thinking about Lions social media here scouring the PFF NFL podcast, all eight hours of our weekly content, finding something to be offended by. They're just looking to be offended. And I don't want to give them any fodder right now until they start one and five or something and we can start questioning them, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, I think Detroit is another one of those divisions where the most likely outcome to me is the Lions win. They're favorites for a reason. They should be favorites. Um, it's like Jacksonville, though. Like, they have to now embrace this dynamic. And we talked to people on the podcast when we were there. They're the favorites now. And that is a very different mindset to a team that, it, that nobody is expecting to do well, right? The, that can have that chip on a shoulder mentality, that can um, – sort of create, foster this uh, siege environment and be like, it's, it's us against the world. Now it isn't. Like, now everybody's on board the Lions hype train and they're buying into you as favorites. And you got to go out there and show that you're better than Minnesota or Green Bay or, or uh, Chicago and actually win that division. Now, 
I think the most likely outcome is that they do because I think they have the best roster at this point. You, you've got your feeling for Minnesota. Are you, did you consider Green Bay? Because if Jordan Love doesn't suck, the Packers are not a bad team. The Packers are so young. Yeah. Right? On so, offense in particular. So here's the deal. And I know it's, it's – I'm going to do something I hate, which is okay. you referenced the last thing you saw last year. Assume most of it's going to stay the same. Make one little tweak and say, okay, that's you – know, whatever. So I'm going to do that. Last year they had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback who didn't have a bad season. He did not have an MVP caliber season. He did not have an elite season. He was fine. And they were 8-9. and nine. They had the young receivers. The defense was, you know, not nearly as good as they were supposed to be. And so now you have Jordan Love coming in. And if Jordan Love – will Jordan Love be better than Aaron Rodgers? So the thing I hate is if Jordan Love just plays at Aaron Rodgers' level, they'll be 8-9 and nine again. I know that's not reality. But there's you know, a kernel of truth in there where Jordan Love could have a really impressive season. But I, I don't know if Green Bay is just a year away. Right with all of the young, the, all of their receivers are going to be in year one or two. All of their pass catchers, basically, Luke Musgrave at tight end and Jaden Reed as rookie. You know, those guys as rookies with Dobbs and Christian Watson. Are they one year away? Like if Love is good, we might be sitting here and they're the the new Lions, where it's like, all right, they'll be the the fun the fun team to pick in twenty four. I just don't know if I'm there yet yet for the Packers. Now you have, you know, Packers social media might they might clip that when they're <laughs> when they're twelve and five. You, know, you could clip that when you're twelve and five. I think they're maybe a year away. That's if Jordan Love is good and you know continues to improve and all that. But yeah, they're intriguing. Of course, what we saw with Jordan Love in the preseason was it, really impressive. I mean, it's a really compelling team because the defense last year was supposed to be the best defense that Aaron Rodgers had ever played with, and it it wasn't even close. It didn't look last year at this time. Yeah, last year at this time. Um, but the talent, like the reason people were saying that is there's a lot of talent on that defense, which is almost all still there. Maybe this is the year that defense actually does play as one of the better units in the NFL. And if it does, you know, defenses don't win championships anymore, I don't think. But changing your defense from a problem to a strength absolutely moves the needle in terms of how many games you're going to win over the course of the year. And then on offense, one of the things they've got really working in their favor is that they may have one of the top three offensive lines in the NFL. So, yeah, Jordan Love might be a roller coaster. It might be up and down. There might be some problems generally with the, how much youth is involved in that uh, offense. But he might be working behind one of the best offensive lines in football, which helps everything. And then as much as the receiving core is crazy young, I don't know that that necessarily means it's bad. Christian Watson, we saw last year what he can do with his physical tool set. The Romeo Dobbs thing, I don't think, was just a complete figment of everybody's imagination last year. I think he is a talented receiver that can be a good player, particularly if he doesn't have to be Devontae Adams right out of the gate. Um, Luke Musgrave, a tight end, a rookie, looks like he's going to be a really big featured part of that offense. And then you've got, you know, you keep going. Jaden Reed, the, the running backs out of the backfield. Like, that's a talented group of playmakers if they can just keep themselves on the same page and Jordan Love is viable. But behind a great offensive line, and if their defense is good, I mean, there's, there's absolutely a range of outcomes where the Green Bay is challenging for this division. Would it surprise you on DraftKings.com that the Packers are low? They have the lowest odds. The you worst mean, odds to win. The worst odds to win. Sorry, worst. Um, 
yeah, speak properly. Lions are favored, followed by the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers. Uh, Bears yes, ahead of the Packers. It would. I don't think that that. Why do I keep saying? I don't think that Chicago is more likely to win this division than Green Bay. Yeah, it's gonna be. It, look, it's gonna be a fun one. I'm just excited, man. I don't care. We're gonna throw some picks out there. Some are gonna be right. Some are gonna be wrong. I'm excited to see it all play out. This division with the Lions as the front runners, the Vikings intrigue me with their whole team building effort. The Bears with all of the turnover. Ryan Poles mentioned this with Brad last week. Brian Ryan Poles has like. 10 players remaining from when he took over the team. This is his team now. Two years into it. We talked when he took over, they need to gut the team. They did it. Yeah. And now we get to see it. What does this team look like? They'll be young. And uh, the Packers, they look young and maybe a year away to me. But I'm intrigued, man. I'm looking forward to it. But I'll take, I'll take the Lions officially here to win the division. Same. You got that? DetroitLions.com. I can't buy into Minnesota's defense. For a, cha- a, a That's, it does scare me. Division-winning team. It does really scare me. I'm I'm interested, but scared to pick them. All right, NFC South. How hard could it be? Hmm. Where are you going in the NFC South? Okay, before we get to the South, I do have something to say. College football fans, we just had a great weekend, uh-huh. and I hope this deal's still here. But DraftKings Sportsbook, they're going to hook you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. You can bet just five dollars on college football and score two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook. Anything can happen in college football. We just saw it this past weekend. You can go from dynasty mode, from unranked to dynasty mode, just a couple years. Maybe Colorado's ready to go to dynasty mode already. Change comes fast, but the only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PFF. New customers can score $200 in free bets. Bonus bets, sorry. Bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All right. Let's get into, where are we? The NFC South. Bucks are the defending champs. Tom Brady has retired. The division was not good last year. We have a rookie quarterback in Carolina. We have a year two quarterback in Atlanta. We have Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay and Derek Carr coming in for the Saints. Where are you leaning here in the South? Yeah, Derek Carr and the Saints, almost by default. I'll also take the Saints here, yeah. We're both taking the Saints here. So what needs to happen for some of those other teams? Because we've discussed a little bit Atlanta. You know, if Desmond Ritter is is pretty good, they've made a lot of improvements Mm -hmm. on that roster the last couple years. The Bucs probably weren't as bad as they showed last year, especially offensively. They've still got talent on defense. They've got the big-name receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, Mike Evans, by the way, reported if he doesn't have a new contract by the start of the season, might be out. This might be his last year in Tampa Bay. He could be the guy we're talking about as midseason trade bait for um, all the best teams in the league. Maybe adding a Mike Evans. That's going to be one of the bigger storylines here if the Bucks start off, you know, two and four, two and five, that type of thing. Um, what else would have to happen? If, you know, Bryce Young just balls out right away to, to have some of those other teams maybe challenge the Saints here. I mean, Atlanta, I think, is a live threat. Um, if Desmond Ritter doesn't stink, like anything other than stink, I think Atlanta is a real threat. That offense should be really fun to watch with any kind of viable quarterback play. It's probably going to be the most run-heavy offense in the NFL again. It's loaded with matchup problems. It's got a good offensive line. If Ritter is just viable, they could they could seriously challenge the Saints. Um, Carolina, yeah, like they would need Bryce Young to be very good right out of the gate. And 
not just him, but they need Mingo to be pretty good right out of the gate, I think, as well. Jonathan. Yes. And not Barkevious. And they need the offensive line to not be the liability that it's been in preseason. Um, so they need three things to go right on offense for them to be challenging uh, the Saints. Tampa Bay, I mean, they need Mayfield to be good, which is possible, but I'm, I'm done expecting it. Yeah. The Bucks have the worst odds to win it. And it's a, I'm surprised at how, how the, the disparity here. The, the Saints are favored at plus 105. Followed by the Falcons at plus 200 over DraftKings. Panthers are plus 500, and the Bucks are plus 1,000. Huge discrepancy there. For a division, like, you know, you get a couple bounces here and there. You can see the Bucks doing it. Um, the opposite of what I said with the AFC East, you go to pff.com, you check out the power rankings, the, the easiest schedules in the NFL. Number one, Falcons, easiest. Number two, Saints. And number five, the Panthers. The Bucs are down at 12. They'll play that first-place schedule, so they'll have a couple extra different games, right? Those variable games within the division, the Bucs will have the worst end of it on paper. But the one, two, and five easiest schedules for the Falcons, Saints, and Panthers, respectively, that's where it, that's where it gets fun, right? All the teams that are they're low in power rankings, but they're high in ease of schedule, so that's where you, know, you get some, might, might sneak some wins. But yeah, I think the Saints are the clear favorites. Carr... If Carr just plays his game, basically, with Chris Olave and Michael Thomas, a solid offensive line, and again, a defense that has shown that they're at least going to be, that at worst, I think they'll be average with the ability to, to play above average ball any given week. I think the Saints are absolutely the team to beat there. I, I would have some concerns about their defensive line, though. Like, for the first time in quite a while, sure. that group looks, looks a problem. Cameron Jordan is clearly the best player on that defensive line at this point and he had he had like a pass rushing grade of 55 last year and looks like he's way on the way to declining so they might not have any pass rush yeah should be interesting i'll take the saints though i think they look sharp in the preseason with all the all the favorites i will be watching their defensive line they, de- it, they started to decline a little bit last year they were not rushing the passer effectively and it's a youth movement over there but they've been pretty good. Both taking the Saints here? Mm-hmm. All right, wrap it up with the NFC West. 49ers, everyone else. You know, every, I think everyone else has the Niners as you know, team two yeah. in the NFC. Everyone is penciling back in the same NFC championship game as last year. I can't tell if I'm just fatigued by that or if I'm, or if I'm seeing some of the – I'll use the, the turmoil that San Francisco is dealing with massive air quotes there but just you know you gotta you gotta rely on Brock Purdy in year two and Nick Bosa doesn't have his contract and Bobby Slowick's gone Mm. you know like there's D'Amico Ryans is gone there's there's more turnover in San Francisco than right tackle you know there's just a little more turnover there than maybe some of these other teams also I mean it's not like this is the first year like they've been hemorrhaging coaches for a while you know what I mean like Robert Sala like they back-to-back coordinators on defense have gone offensive minds and McDaniel and Bobby Slowick like they have been losing like a constant drain of coaching talent which is less of a problem I think when Kyle Shanahan is literally the offensive coordinator as well as the head coach than it would be for other teams but I mean there's only so many times you can just keep promoting from within restock the shelves and go again like those guys do matter that's why they're getting coaching jobs elsewhere 
And then I'm tempted by the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I am tempted by the Seahawks. The Yeah, the thing that stops me there. So, look, I, I think the risks that San Francisco are not as good as last year are significant, and we shouldn't be just penciling them into the NFC Championship game again. That being said, you know, again, like which is most likely to happen? I think it's probably still most likely that they win the division. Now, if Nick Bosa isn't there all year, that maybe changes things. Um, but as much as I am definitely nervous about the idea of relying on Brock Purdy backing up what he did a year ago, particularly with a worse offensive line in front of him, I still think that's kind of equalized by the risk that Geno Smith isn't the same guy he was a year ago and turns back into a pumpkin to some degree. You know, like those things to me are relatively equal. So yeah, Brock Purdy might not be the guy he looked last year. He might be closer to Mr. Irrelevant. But the same thing is true with Geno. Like Geno might not be what he did last year. We already talked about how that grade is largely built off like three games. What if he's the other guy? for the entirety of this season and doesn't have three games that are 95 grades and, you know, where he looks like an absolute superstar. People so, didn't like that. People didn't like your reliance on grades because the season stats were good. But look, he was – let me defend your take because you said three games that define Geno Smith's season and maybe uh-huh. from a grading standpoint. My thing was within, a, within the flow of a game, he made mistakes, but he also made some really – there were a lot of games where he made mistakes but also made some really good plays. It wasn't like he had three awesome games and he was a disaster elsewhere. He was a mid-tier quarterback in all but three games, basically. The guy that you're like, hey, this is some really good stuff. Hey, this is some really not-so-good stuff. But then there was three games where he was out of this world. Mm-hmm. Saints game and just dropping dimes left and right. The Lions game, I believe it was, where he was out of this world. Other than that, he was mid, just mid-tier quarterback. He was actually playing a lot like, I'm not going to say it. Not Russ last year, but like Russ with the Seahawks. Like Russ's last... I mean, honestly, he 15 was 15 games or so with the Seahawks. He was a mid. He was Russ playing, was a mid-tier quarterback. He was playing a lot like Geno Smith. Oh, he's just Geno Smith. This is the thing. Like with some, if, with some high ends yes. that were incredible for a three or four games. That's sample. the whole point is that he had these few games, and they were all located at the start of the season, which sort of changed the whole na- narrative on Geno Smith. We go from he's Geno Smith to holy crap, who was this guy that's had three of the best games in the NFL in the first five weeks of the season and looks like the best quarterback in football. Like now it takes a while to come back away from that. But if you look at like the entirety of his season, outside of those few amazing games, he kind of looked more like Geno Smith. Now the baseline was higher. I'm not saying he was the same guy. He was playing better than that. But the gap between the player we thought we, we had and the player that we had last season I don't think is as big as people were making it out to be and could easily be closer next year. Yeah, so that's what I'm tempted by Seattle, a little scared of, of Geno. By the way, the Seahawks recognize that as well. Like It's not like they went after last year. They could have given him like the Josh Allen contract, you know what I mean? And they didn't. They came out of this with like a fairly modest quarterback contract for Geno. Yeah, $25 million. AAV or uh, APY? What do you prefer? Average uh, annual value? Average pre- I like APY. A lot of people are going uh, AAV there. But, um, yeah, $25 million and, and they weren't, like, they, it wasn't a guarantee coming out of the season that they were not in the quarterback market as well. Remember, they were being talked about as a team that was potentially going to draft a quarterback. Anthony like, Richardson's happen. there. They, they, but they my point may being, have drafted Anthony Richardson if he was right, there at five. They exactly. Him. But my point being... Seattle was not like they didn't come out of that season and go holy crap we've discovered the holy grail here 
like all our problems are solved. They came out of last year and still weren't 100% convinced that Geno was going to be the guy going forward. What I like about Seattle, though, last year's rookie class was excellent. They head into year two. This year's rookie class, even though they both start banged up, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Devin Witherspoon, they're both banged up. But I still think they'll make an impact at some point during the season, especially Smith and Jigba. Yeah. On that offense with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith, even if he has the mid-tier type of season I'm talking about where the turnover-worthy plays revert back a little bit, Mm -hmm. he's aggressive enough to give these guys opportunities to make plays. He did have this nice balance of he completed a lot of passes and he took his chances when he needed to. He'll give these receivers chances to make plays, and that's where I like Seattle. The infrastructure, the roster – Kudos to Pete Carroll for taking what should have been a rebuild and making them a playoff team last year. That's where I think Seattle is probably up a little bit. Niners are down a little bit. All that said, I'm just, you know, yeah, like I'm a simple man. I'm taking the 49ers. As much as there's worry that Geno Smith isn't quite the same guy, they could be better in a lot of other ways relative to a year ago. Yes. Like they had a pair of rookie tackles last season who both impressed, but certainly dropped off as the season went on if those two guys take steps forward in year two and you can add to that you know Tariq Woolen Boye Mafe like guys that they drafted a year ago that made impacts year one but didn't necessarily dominate if the young element of this team not just sort of backs up what they did early but actually continues to develop that's that can propel them forward in a huge way in addition to a guy like JSN making an immediate impact yeah like Seattle I, I expect them to be contenders and pushing the 49ers hard. But I think if the 49ers have Nick Bosa on the roster, even with areas of concern, like that offensive line is not great. Um, their skill position players, the track record of Shanahan getting production from any quarterback, the defense still has talent again with Nick Bosa. The most likely outcome is the 49ers win this division. We're not talking about the Cardinals or the Rams because, well, the Cardinals in particular completely Stank. rebuilding and uh, the Rams rebuilding with a couple stars there. Uh, uh, how much were uh, – Don't much, even bring – don't do not do How it. much don't, were Arizona loving week one of the college football season? Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you were going to go somewhere else. No. I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought you were going to go to the as, – as a top five NFL podcast that features an Irishman, mm-hmm. we should probably – because the people are talking about it, we should probably at least mention the Cardinals videos, the Jonathan Gannon videos. Oh yeah. So this is a lot like your. This is a lot like the Nathaniel Hackett thing, right? One video in isolation. Pew pew pew. It's not good, <laughs> but it's not. You know, it's not. It's not a problem necessarily, right? One video, one. When you start stacking them on top of each other, right? Now it becomes an issue. It's like, look. I can only see so many of these before I'm out completely, you know? And we're getting to that line now, if not having launched right over the top of that line already. Some, pe- some people don't know what you're referencing. But Jonathan Gannon has If you type video- Jonathan Gannon into X or Twitter and just search <laughs> the videos, you'll find pew, pew, pew pretty quickly. There was the intro video right when he was he was introducing himself to the players, and then the one they put out this in weekend. Fact, can we where pull that was, up? That's got to be easy enough to find in this. It was a world. monotone. You know, do you have a fire in your belly? I mean, it, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest video. Now I always have to. I got to take the level-headed approach here. You got to bring up Nick Sirianni. I have to bring up Nick Sirianni. Right. Right. I hate it. I hate the Twitter mob. I hate the overreaction. And that's I hate what I'm that saying. What everybody's got to quote tweet it and uh-huh. say nope. 
this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. The Arizona's doomed because I saw this video. Mm -hmm. And I get your point. There's, you know, the evidence mounts, right? <laughs> yes. It's not just it's not just one piece. But I have to. I got to bring it back to the center here. I got to bring it back with um, the overcorrection that everyone made fun of and dunked dunked on Nick Sirianni at his opening yeah. press conference. Dunked on him. Oh, this guy's an NFL head coach. He looked nervous. He's, his voice quivered. He had some weird answers, Nick Sirianni. And a year later, two years later, he's in the Super Bowl as one of the best head coaches in the NFL, pushing things forward offensively and defensively. And everybody overreacted to one press conference from Nick Sirianni. Now, your point's taken. There's more than one. Yes. Awkward video out there that's, of Jonathan Gannon. That's the problem, right? He's the head coach of the Nick Arizona Cardinals. There were just some awkward videos. Yes. I will not overreact to these things. I'm just saying people are. How many would it take for you to overreact? Yeah, one more. Okay. Because this is the thing, right? Nick Sirianni, yes. Press conference, opening press conference was a disaster. He, in very similar terms, by the way, was like coming up with ridiculous, you know, metaphors and anecdotes. And it was like, what the hell am I watching here? Stumbling through it, like stuttering. Just bad. Bad top to bottom. But from that moment on, Nick Sirianni kind of transformed himself, got comfortable in the skin as a head coach, and now he looks like a confident, winning, excellent head coach, right? Now, obviously, games haven't been played yet, so who knows how that'll go for Jonathan Gannon. But we are stacking these bad clips on top of each other before he's had a chance to offset them with, you know, winning, which probably isn't going to happen this year either because the Cardinals roster stinks. So I'm just saying we're building a very rocky-looking structure here with Jonathan Gannon already. I, for one, will not overreact. I will let the evidence mount, however, okay. and, um, and see where it lands. Are we able to put zoom, zoom? There we go. Look at this. How you doing? Good. Good. Shoo, 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 shoo. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. Hey! It's not good. What's up, man? How you it's doing? It's not good. Good. I mean, just the look on. Is Your that Rondell Moore? Was, I absolutely lost it when you. Uh, yeah. The look on Rondell Moore's face when he's doing that. It's not good. So, and that's not it. That's that's the first one. Now you've got more of these things being stacked on top. It's just, it's not good. It's not good, is what I'm saying. Let's see what happens on the field <laughs> next year. Because, yeah, they won't be good this year. All right. So, uh, my division, you're taking the Cowboys in the East. I'm taking the Eagles. We're both taking the Lions. We're both taking the Saints. We're both taking the Niners. Uh, you taking the Niners, or did you? No, I took the Niners. Yeah. Okay. There Most likely thing. Are these your. That's my division winners. Those are your picks. Yes. Those are Sam's picks. Mm -hmm. Not mine. I took the Eagles. Yes. I didn't go crazy. All right. My NFC wild cards here. Yep. I'll take the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. I'll take the Seahawks. Yep. And I'll take the Vikings. Those are three teams that I talked up. I considered for their particular division. Um, who does that leave out? Um, we have not discussed the Giants. Correct. I don't know. I, I, I feel the Giants and Vikings are interesting for me because I, compl I completely think that they overachieved last year. Mm-hmm. And I also think that they'll be better this year. But also, unlike the AFC, where it's like, man, how are you making the playoffs in this loaded division? Like, I'm leaving out Super Bowl contenders here. In the NFC, it's like I have two wildcard teams. And in my case, it's going to be the Eagles and the Seahawks, right? And then it's like, well, who the hell else is making the playoffs? <laughs> like, none of these teams are good. But some of them's going to make – like, so Carolina is going to be in a, in a wildcard spot but just by – randomly winning a couple of games in December. So, all right, my two, two of my three wildcard spots are the two obvious ones. And then if I had to pick a third... Uh, You're saying Eagles and Seahawks yes. are the obvious? 
And what then, you feel is obvious. Seahawks were not obvious last year at this time. No, but I think they are now. Atlanta is my third one. Atlanta! Atlanta! Yeah, and I don't like that at all. The wild card. Don't like it, but I'm doing it. Nobody likes any of this. All right, who's coming out of the AFC and the NFC for you? We're going to do a Super Bowl. Oh, a Super Bowl spot? Super Bowl prediction. Or do you want to wait, wait till the end? Okay, let's do that. We'll come end. back to the Super Bowl prediction. Oh, I have that. That's okay. We're good. We'll come back. We'll finish with our Super Bowl prediction. Let's go through the awards. Your favorite award. Oh, the God. most valuable player. You're 150th of the voters. Yeah, that's true. For the MVP. Yeah, that's true. And other, can I get a vote this year? Don't talk to me. Would you donate the vote to the PFF NFL podcast? Yeah, no. Put, take your name off of it. Do it for the brand, man. Nah, nah, chance. Do it for our brand. I don't want you corrupting the process. You oh, and I was, your, I, I feel bullied by the Detroit Lions media team. That's not going to get you a vote. They want integrity in the voters. It's a fair point. Moment of weakness there. Mm-hmm. We can just cut that out of the show. It's fine. <laughs> MVP for this season. Mahomes and every season. Oh, I was, gonna, I was thinking outside the box. I was trying to think outside the box here. Yeah. Um, what if I go, because I won't say like Herbert or something like that. I can't do that. Maybe I'm losing it. I'm, I'm souring too much on Josh Allen. Uh-huh. I'm going to say Joe Burrow okay. as the MVP, though. Well, here, so since I hate the MVP and everything it stands for, except my vote, um, let's do the Stevenson as well, we'll which isn't Stevenson. in my, my list. But the Stevenson, for those of you that are you or don't know, is essentially a positionless MVP. It's the best player in the NFL, which is what the MVP should be and is supposed to be, uh, but isn't. So who will – and for the first time, I think this is actually – like in any normal year, it's Aaron Donald. And like Patrick Mahomes, it's Aaron Donald every year going into the season. Maybe for the first time, it isn't. Aaron Donald. Because he also didn't win it last year. Who did we? Was it Chris Jones last year? I think Trent. Did Trent Williams win? Trent was two years ago. Uh, I think it was Mahomes, actually. Oh, yeah, we did give it to Mahomes, yeah. We did cheat a little bit and lean quarterback. All right, so Stevenson, we'll fin- uh, Stevenson, so who's the best player in the NFL? That's going to match my defensive player. Yeah, who will be? Yeah, my defensive player of the year pick and my Stevenson award pick is Micah Parsons. Ooh, with okay. the Cowboys. I... I may have gone this route last year with Parsons, but this year moving full-time to edge, not that he wasn't really an edge, but 20-sack um, type of season for Parsons and – Dominant pass rush season. The one thing that's going to hold Parsons down is the extra attention. Yeah. Right? When he was left one-on-one last year, he won his reps. When he got his extra attention, the production's not as good. But I'll take Parsons All right. to be the highest-graded player I defensive will, player of the year. Okay, I think the candidates for Stevenson, Mahomes will be one. I think Aaron Donald will still be one. Yep. And then the player that I will give it to will also be my defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett. You're going Miles Garrett. Oh, yeah, because he's got all his help now. <coughs> yeah. He's got the help. It went that last year. Um, and I think he had, an, uh, had a defensive player of the year <clears throat> caliber season, but he just didn't have the help, and the Browns were bad, so nobody really noticed. Now he's got a ton of help on the defensive line, so you can't just dedicate all your attention to Miles Garrett. And theoretically, the Browns should be a lot better. So if they're in contention for winning the division or making the playoffs or you know even better than that, Miles Garrett immediately gets an awful lot more attention than he got a year ago. And if now, you know, the defense is playing better, the coverage is performing better, the defensive line is, is more of a threat outside of Miles Garrett, his numbers are going to spike as well. So all these things are aligning for Miles Garrett to be Defensive Player of the Year and Stevenson Award winner. 
All right. Um, so we both have MVP, Stevenson. We both did our de what's defense player of the year. Get it out of the way. You take Miles Garrett. I take Micah Parsons. Yep. Offensive player of the year. Garrett Wilson. Wow. I'm buying the hype. Wow. Yeah. So the biggest concern with, you know, Rodgers to Wilson was the chemistry thing. Can they develop that instant chemistry that's Sorry, always there. taken Rodgers a while to build up with receivers? Like the interesting thing about Rodgers and these, this sequence of number one receivers that he's had, like he went effectively – or the Packers went rather effectively from Donald Driver to Greg Jennings to Jordy Nelson to Devontae Adams, not just in sequence, but they all overlapped. Like they had time for the first guy to help the second guy along and for the second guy to get his feet wet before he had to be the guy that gets 180 targets a year and catches 150 passes and, you know, dominates. Um, and last year, one of the biggest problems is there was no transition period. It was Adams is gone. One of you guys Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, one of you has got to be Devontae Adams. I don't make the rules. That's just how it went. Good luck. And didn't happen, right? So the biggest issue is Garrett Wilson is it's the same thing, right? You gotta go in there cold and you gotta be Devontae Adams. But I think A, he's got his feet wet in the NFL so far already. And B, again, training camp, preseason, whatever, but they've got the chemistry already. It's gonna work. Yeah, I mean, the Devontae Adams years, remember we said Rodgers only has Devontae Adams. Get him some help. Yeah. It might look just like that, mm -hmm. where it is full reliance. We're talking 15 target games yep. going to Wilson. And then, yeah, Alan Lazard's going to catch some slants. That's what he does, <laughs> right? And Randall Cobb is going to you know, work the middle of the field a little bit, catch some, catch some passes here and there. But it's Garrett Wilson. It's third in anything, and we're looking at Garrett Wilson. Back shoulders fades slants it's all going his way red zone it's all going garrett wilson's way right that's what it's going to look like i think yeah so that makes sense um i just went justin jefferson i okay. just went all right he's the best offensive player yeah he's the best receiver in the league nothing wrong with that but um i'll Say take justin jefferson as offensive player of the year you're going garrett wilson mm -hmm. offensive and defensive rookie of the year Bijan, easy also taking Bijan. do we have the same defensive player of the year as well Probably. Will Anderson. No. Jalen ah. Carter. I was considering Carter. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're both taking Bijan as offensive rookie of the year. Defensively, I'm going Will Anderson over Jalen Carter because I think Will Anderson's going to play 900 snaps. Sure. Carter's going to play 450, 500. Yes. That's the difference for but me. But on a better team. Yeah, I understand. Again, I don't even know what we're predicting here. I don't know if we're predicting what the NFL is going to choose or what PFF's going to choose. That's what I'm predicting. Okay. You're predicting what the NFL is going to do. Yes. Okay. I want to state conclusively for the good members of the Associated Press that I will not be swayed into making my predictions correct by, you know, voting in a certain way. My integrity is above that. Yours less so, but mine. Unimpeachable. My integrity is fine. <laughs> I've never... As long as the Lions don't create a social media video about it. That's unproven. <laughs> you just sat there talking about if we, it. Because who did I choose? Uh, I chose the Lions to win the NFC North. I have never had a pick on record swayed by bullying. Never. It's never been. It's never happened. But how do we know that one wasn't? What do you mean? I, yeah, maybe, maybe I was felt bullied by the Vikings. No. Okay. How do we know you didn't pick the Lions? Because had you gone against them, you'd have been in a social media video. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm talking against myself here. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I liked the Lions regardless. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I'll take Will Anderson as defensive rookie of the year. He'll play more snaps.
Okay. Is there anything else to predict? Uh, I'll mention at least comeback player of the year, which the, the award I generally hate, but uh, DeMar Hamlin's going to win this. Should do, yeah. Just by playing football. Right. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, just Don't have much else. Don't have much else to add to that. The comeback player of the year, the only times I've ever cared about the comeback player of the year, I think, was Alex Smith coming back from that horrible leg and the infection, DeMar Hamlin coming back from everything we saw. Just, by the way, that was this year, early this year, in yeah. January. Um, so that's what's going to happen there. I don't have much else for the comeback player of the year award. So Okay. What are we, uh, what does the chat have? Is there anything else they want us to predict? Oh, yeah. Do you guys have, yeah. Ask prediction questions while they're uh, putting in suggestions what is your super bowl pick all right super bowl i just figured it out yeah because i picked joe burrow as mvp yes i'm just gonna like go through this train of thought here even though it doesn't matter i'm not saying he's gonna be mvp because of this but i'm just gonna say i'm gonna ride the mvp pick yeah okay gotcha to Bengals, cowboys Bengals, cowboys eli's loving this can't jump we jumping on my cowboys hype train i took the cowboys as a wild card team so i didn't pick them to win the division but the wild card cowboys going to the super bowl and losing to the Bengals. it takes so much crap for this i also have the cowboys in the super bowl no Um, oh this is like this is chris's dream he loves the cowboys you know that i have cowboys chiefs cowboys chiefs Mm. and another kansas city patrick mahomes super bowl oh look at you taking the the lazy way out Mm mm-hmm with the Chiefs winning. All right. I got Bengals, Cowboys, and you have Chiefs, Cowboys. Do you want me to switch it? Do I want you to switch it? I mean, no. Bengals, Lions. Maybe the Lions social media team wants to pick this up. Uh, so I have a... Bills. Our, Did I pick the Bills last year? In oh, our uh, in our list here of things that I had to predict for the social media people, there's a surprise team thing, which I've only just realized was not a team we've mentioned at all for making the playoffs, so they can't be that much of a surprise. But who is your surprise team? Uh, Falcons? That can be either way. Either surprisingly good or surprisingly stinky. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I wasn't prepared for a surprise team. No, I know. It's like it's right up here, top of your head. Falcons. <laughs> you already put them in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I put them in the playoffs. I did. I'm high on the Falcons. Sands Ritter. Yeah, I had Washington as my surprise team. And since I haven't put them in the playoffs, even in a crappy NFC, that's probably We haven't not mentioned a good Washington one. on the show. That's here. what I mean. Is there any other team we have not mentioned on the show here today? Probably. Uh, all right, here, chat box. Uh, Ty Guy says, first coach fired. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, let me see here. First coach fired. I'm trying to look through who's available here. We got to look at who's going to be bad. Ron Rivera? Oh, Ron. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly just looking at teams where the coach isn't entrenched. Right. Or brand new hire. Or brand new. Like, though. Todd yeah, Bowles? It's not like brand new helped, uh, helped Nathaniel Hackett. You have to be special. Like, I don't anticipate what we saw the first two weeks <laughs> how many, how many more from videos, Nathaniel Hackett. How many more videos would Jonathan Gannon need to have before he put himself in a Nathaniel Hackett territory? Oh, I, I see what you're saying here. Gannon would have to, he would have to like take a delay of game in oh, order I got to get one. the field goal team out there for the 67-yard game yeah, winner. I got one. Josh McDaniels. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't like predicting this stuff. I don't like predicting people Look, losing their job. That's what the chat box wanted. Don't. It's not my thing. Uh, Todd Bowles, Ron Rivera. Uh, but I don't. I like Ron Rivera. Multiple people want rushing leader. 
Bijan. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think Bijan's going to have the opportunities. They're going to run him like crazy. The only thing working against him is the rotation aspect. The Tyler Algier is a thousand, right. whatever that means. A thousand yard rusher is right there. And Cordero Patterson but, is there. But, like his rotation should simply be like the only factor is how much rest does Bijan need. Like nothing else should factor into that because he's so much better than anybody else they have. What are the other options? It's Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. Like who else is going to have enough? Yeah. If, if Derrick Henry stays healthy, McCaffrey, he's right there, maybe. of course. As a leading rusher, though? Yeah. I mean, they'll use it. Yeah, they'll use him enough, actually. McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Those, are your, those are your options, right? Mm-hmm. What else do we have for guesses here? Uh, or, uh, that's pretty much. Predictions. What else have we got in the chat box? Not a lot. They're, they're kind of tapped out. They're not bringing the heat today. That's all I'm saying, man. It's only an hour and a half into the show. If they're tapped out right now, they're not ready for no. the season. You're not, in, you're not in regular season mode, chat box. YouTube friends, you're not in regular season mode. Um, so here's the deal. Chances are in the last hour and a half, we said something that you completely disagree with. You're, mm-hmm. you're yelling. You're, you're telling your wife about how mad you are or you're telling your kids or something, and you're like, these guys are idiots. Um, or husband. Or husband. And you're just emailing us. Maybe you're, do we have any emails that have already come through? Um, but send your bets in or predictions. NFL podcast at pff.com. Send them in. We'll sift through them. We'll take the boldest ones, the best ones, the ones that we disagree with the most, and bring them to the table on Wednesday. And then we'll have this running tally. What was our, our listeners last year? What did they hit on like 20% or something? You know, higher than I thought 15, uh, 20%? Yeah, it was about. Something like that. We'll get I've, you a PFF Plus subscription. I've purged the spreadsheet. So if it hits. Can't see what the record was. Uh, remember the, su- the suggestion. Try like the multi-layered. There are some people who are like, hey, I know you said don't do multi-layered bets, but I feel really good about these 14 things. I mean, I'm not going to stomp you doing Yeah, it. you can I'm do just, it. I'm just saying that based off previous evidence, it's a bad way of going about it. Yeah, game theory-wise, if you're trying to game the system, one good, strong, bold prediction that you feel good about it has the best chance of hitting. Yeah. Um, but hit that thumbs up on your way out, and then send us those emails. NFL podcast at pff.com with your predictions and your bull takes for this year, and we will go through them on Wednesday. And then Wednesday, we also have to preview Thursday night football because there's real football to be played. Hmm. So we'll do a little Lions Chiefs preview. And then Thursday, we're back. Full preview, game by game. Thursday, 10:30 Eastern time. Set your clocks. You don't want to preview Thursday night football on Thursday. Do we? We've been doing it on Wednesday. I'm just saying. Are we changing? Are we, are we? I didn't. I didn't hear this in the production meeting. Well, I don't know. Well, we're going to preview the we? game sometime. Don't we normally preview Thursday on Thursday? Last year we spent our Wednesday show because remember we had guests. Yeah. Right. We'd bring in a special guest <clears> to preview the Thursday night football game a day early, so more people, you know, so you have it. That's on Wednesday. true. We got them to talk about the Thursday night game. Correct. If we want to keep that pattern, we'll just have our production meeting right on air here. Yeah. If we want to keep that pattern of pre- uh, preview Thursday Night Football on Wednesday, we can do that. Well, I'm just saying If this... you want to roll it into the Thursday show, has less airtime, mm-hmm. less evergreen, we can do that as well. I'm just saying this week in particular, you know, we, we record on a Thursday morning. The game isn't until Thursday night. Whatever Anyone you want to do, man. to hear it should be able to hear it. I'm just saying sometimes it feels good having one game out of the way and only going 15 games deep. On Thursday. Sometimes it feels good. Yeah. We could take this offline. <laughs> we could maybe take this offline. If you have thoughts, email us in. Yeah, let us know. When do you want to hear your Thursday night preview? Wednesday show or Thursday show? Hmm. 
All right, we good here? Yeah. It's been great. Those are our previews, our predictions, and the whole deal. Let us know. Let's <laughs> look at the title. Steve and Sam break the fourth wall. That was good. That's what they had. Well, I missed it. The caption. Let me put it back up. I'm going to tell you everything here. Ah. That was the caption for when we were talking. That you awesome. stare right into the camera now. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again Wednesday for more PFF NFL podcasts.